Welcome to Keeping Secrets. I'm Veer Koto. Keeping Secrets is a web series produced by Dating Kinky about the intersection of kink and privacy. In this series, we'll be talking about the hidden dangers, hidden allies, and practical steps you can take to protect yourself and your community. We give you the information and tools to make informed decisions that are right for you. These webinars are recorded live and then released as a podcast. So if you're interested in participating and you're comfortable sharing, you can join us for questions, just like these amazing people are doing here tonight or this morning, depending on where you are. I am your host, Veer Koto. I am a geek, a kinkster, and a privacy advocate. You can check out my very obsolete website at veerkoto.com. You can email me directly at veer at veerkoto.com or I'm on FetLife as Virkoto, all one word. The opinions expressed in this series are my own. Your mileage may vary and consult your doctor if after taking my advice, you have an erection that lasts more than four hours. So when I was a kid, uh, we used to play this game called Guess Who? Um, and I don't know if any of you've played it, but in Guess Who, uh, you have a group of people uh, little pictures, and uh, the object of the game is to ask questions to your uh, opponent to try to narrow down who uh, this person is. And so these questions would be things like, does your person wear glasses? You know, is your person bald? Things like that. And that's kind of what tonight's presentation is about, too. We're going to be showing you just how big uh, companies and advertisers and data brokers can learn all about you with just a little bit of information and how that just a tiny bit of information can be used to identify exactly who you are. So uh, the term in kink that we use when we're talking about people sharing information without our knowledge or consent is called outing. Uh, it's a term we've borrowed from the LGBTQ community. Um, and when information about our private life, especially our sexual life, is shared with our consent, that's what we call it. And outing is awful. And it can actually be quite dangerous. Right now, as of the time of this recording, new laws are being enacted in the United States of America in several states that make it illegal to not only have, but ever have had, or have helped someone have an abortion, or to even help someone potentially who's transgender. And if you're kinky, then being identified as being kinky might mean losing your job or your friends, or in some cases, even losing custody of your children. So you and only you should decide when and if it's right to share the personal detail uh, about yourself and um, and your, let's say, your gender, your sexuality, et cetera, to others. And that includes your kink life. And that, that idea, that simple idea, uh, that's called privacy. And it really should be a, considered a basic right. The challenge is that for, um, for all of us who care about our privacy, there's a lot of money to be made in spying on you on buying information about you and selling information about you. And we're gonna be looking at that together about the ways that information is collected and how it's sold and used essentially to figure out who you are. Uh, 
Um, they may not care about your name, but they want these advertisers and these data brokers, they want to know absolutely as much as they can about who you are so that they can sell that to, again, advertisers, to governments and whatnot. And right now, so much of the web is owned and run by advertisers. Google, for example, is at its core an advertising company. Facebook is also an advertising company. And there are lots of companies out there who collect information about you and then they sell that information to other companies. Um, those third parties, as we call them, those data brokers, they buy that information from these, uh, from these individual apps or websites and then they bundle it together and then they sell it to advertisers or to governments. They sell it to third parties um, or sometimes they'll even sell it directly to individuals. And they have no problem selling very personal, private details about your life. And that's that's who we're trying to protect ourselves from uh, against in this talk. So um, I'm going to bet that just from, um, oops, sorry, uh, I think I'm missing. Uh, yeah, I am missing a slide, but that's okay. Um, what I will do is I will just open it myself and fortunately you won't get to see it, but, um, but I want to have that list because I want to talk to you all about some of the actual information that these companies, um, these categories that these data brokers are using. So if you'll just give me a moment, oops, uh, da, da, da. Yeah, I'm wondering why it didn't take. Uh, I'll just check here. Sorry about this, folks. Yeah, it's not working. Okay, uh, that's all right. Um, so um, many of us, uh, these ad companies and these you know, these uh, apps, you know, they'll say that, that they don't sell individual data. Um, and the way that they get around that is uh, that they use uh, categories. So they'll say, we sell only demographic, anonymized demographic data. Um, and, you know, they'll, they'll talk about you in terms of categories and they'll say, well, you can't use categories to figure out who someone is. And so what kind of categories do they use? Oh, I see why it didn't work. Um, well, the categories are things like your age, your gender, uh, your income level, the town you live in, uh, your political affiliation, um, and lots of ad companies have different names that they call this stuff. I mean, some call it some call it demographic targeting, some call it advertising sectors, um, and you know whatever term they use, it's the same thing. They want to break people down and create profiles about them. Um, so here are some actual categories. I'm just going to list them out that uh, I found that you can advertise on, you know, about. Uh, you can you can narrow cast. So you can you can advertise to people by their age, their location, their gender, their income, their ethnicity, whether or not they're a parent, uh, your their political affiliation, relationship status, sexual orientation, and religion. Um, and so this is the kind of information that they're, they're capturing. 
Um, and it's really, you know, and that's the, the stuff that they're publicly willing to admit um, in the Google Analytics, sorry, the uh, Cambridge Analytica scandal in Facebook. Uh, it was shown that, that Facebook was offering 137 categories by which they broke people down. So it's a huge, it's a huge number of categories. Sorry about that. It's a huge number of categories that uh, that these companies use, and it gets very specific. So you might be wondering, so how do they know? <laughs> how do they know what your income is, or whether you're a parent or not? Um, you know, how can they figure that out? Well, it's it's actually not that hard. It's, it's fairly easy. So let's just take the place you live. Um, the place you live, the place you sleep. Uh, will tell you will tell someone a lot about you. So, for example, if you live in an area where the household income is say eighty thousand dollars a year, family household income is eighty thousand dollars a year, um, you're probably making something around that amount. Maybe you're making a little bit more, maybe you're making a little bit less, but it's likely that you're making somewhere between you know let's just say sixty and a hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, and so they can figure that out just from that little piece of information. You didn't have to tell them, but sometimes you do tell them. Sometimes you tell them directly. Like, remember when you filled out that profile and then you entered your birthday and you gave the company your gender pronouns? Or maybe you filled out a poll, you know, you, you answered a poll online about who you were going to vote for or made a comment about something. Or maybe you had a reaction to a post about someone in the news. Um, sometimes you tell people, I'm sorry, you tell companies things without even telling them anything. So let's imagine that there's a picture of a flower. And so I've got a picture of a flower for those who can see it on a social media site. And there's nothing political about this flower. Um, but imagine that we have an image on social media and we know that, let's say, 83% of the people who pressed like on that photo were registered Democrats. Now, if someone new comes in and they also press like, even if we don't know their political affiliation, we can infer that they're more likely than not to also be a Democrat. And that doesn't matter if they've told us, because even if they, you know, even if they've not told us anything about their political affiliation, we can make that inference. And that's only one photo. But if we keep going, and going and keep making lots of inferences and lots of associations, we can determine all kinds of information about someone without them ever telling us. And that's really, that's really the danger here. It's, it's not, Oh, you know, I told them I was, uh, I told them here was my age and here was my, you know, gender pronouns, but it's, Hey, they're going to figure this out whether I even told them or not. And in some cases like Facebook, you don't even have to be a registered Facebook user. Facebook has what they call shadow profiles about people who aren't even signed up. So they're buying and selling your data, whether you're whether you belong to uh, to that company's uh, service or not. And that's also really scary. So sneaky data um, is most of us again probably have some idea, and especially if you're if you're listening to me, you have some idea that you're being spied on when you're online. And uh, we realize that 
they might know about our name or our age um, or our income, but there's a lot of things that few of us ever even think about. And this is the data um, that I think is most interesting to think about when we talk about de-anonymization. Uh, and, and just to be clear, when I say de-anonymization, I mean taking anonymous data and from that figuring out exactly who you are. And uh, I think the interesting data is the data that we've never even considered that we were giving up in the first place. So an example of that would be where you work. Now, I'm going to presume that you're not telling the company, hey, this is where I work, right? So if you're, if you're talking about, let's say, LinkedIn, then they already know where you work. But let's imagine that there's a social media site or just regular web browsing, and you haven't told anyone where you work. So how can they figure that out? Well, it's actually pretty easy. If you use a service like Google or Facebook from a work computer, well, then they know they know that you've logged in and that you're on a work computer. So that's easy. But let's let's make this a little more interesting. What if you don't log into Google or Facebook from your work computer, but you do physically travel to work? So uh, you know, work from home has has ended for a lot of people. So you're back to your daily commute. And uh, presumably, when you're commuting to work, you take your phone. Um, so you've now brought your phone to work. And even if you live, you know, in an apartment building, how many other people in that apartment building are going to go from your apartment building to your place of work, to the same office that you're going to? I'm going to bet that there aren't that many people who are going to go from this from one building to another building that just you know happen to be where you happen to live and where you happen to work, right? That is most likely at least partially unique to you. And advertisers and others can use this information to figure out where you work. And where you work and where you live say a lot about you. So um, you're thinking, maybe you're thinking, okay, but I'm not giving my work, my, you know, what we would call it your geolocation to just everybody, right? You're, you're not giving that information away. But it's very easy to buy that information. It's very easy for a data broker or even sometimes for a stalker to simply purchase that information. Um, a lot of phone companies, especially the ones in the United States, We'll just let you purchase it. You can just hold cloth purchase where everyone's phone is. Um, companies also buy data from places like uh, EasyPass. So if you're in the United States, EasyPass is a um, product that you stick on your windshield. It lets you go through toll booths without having to stop, right? So it just credits your account. And uh, well, just by going through that toll booth, we know where your car is because your Easy Pass is tied to your name and your credit card and your car. But even more scary is that in some cities, and uh, New York City in particular, there are Easy Pass readers placed all over the city. And there are no tolls, they're just Easy Pass readers. And they're just passively picking up where all the cars are, uh, all the cars with Easy Pass. So they don't have to do anything sophisticated. 
you know, like using, you know, license plates, re license plate readers or any of that stuff, they can just have these sensors. And so then now they know exactly who you are and they know exactly where you are at what time. And EasyPass also can sell that data to governments, to data brokers, so they can figure out where the cars are at all time. And, and that's very valuable information. In a similar vein, I'm just sticking here with just geolocation data. Um, a lot of cities also offer free Wi-Fi and they sell information about uh, that to, um, uh, to data brokers as well. So you might be thinking, okay, well, I won't log into the Wi-Fi, right? I don't have to log into the Wi-Fi and then I'll be safe. Unfortunately not because a lot of these, uh, these Wi-Fi stations, they scan for uh, the device ID associated with, um, with your phone. And um, the technical term would be they scan for your MAC address. But what that lets them do is it lets them build up a profile. So every day we see that this particular device you know, goes by this particular street. So they can figure out from there you know, where, where you are and where you're going. They can figure out your commute. And your commute, as we said, is fairly unique. So just from that, um, we can figure out quite a lot. I'm actually going to, if you just give me a second, I'm going to correct this uh, presentation because it, it's, it is missing several uh, slides. So where are we? Where do you work? Uh, uh, okay, let me try saving, reloading.
I, I am so sorry. I forgot to turn on the audio. <laughs> Thank you uh, for telling me that no one could hear me. Uh, so I'm saying we're going to go off track. I deeply apologize. We went off track a little bit. Um, the presentation's a little out of sync here. So for folks who have a uterus, um, and so you don't see a slide on this, unfortunately, but for folks who have a uterus, um, it's pretty common to use cycle tracking apps. Um, and for those of us who don't have a uterus, uh, you know, basically this is a, a way to uh, track when your period is going to come. Um, and that and that can be useful for all kinds of reasons, um, tracking your health, tracking um, when you may want to avoid certain activities, etc. Um, and in the last few months, with the um, with the loss of Roe v. Wade protections in the United States, police in several U.S. states have begun to collect this data from these cycle tracking apps and use it to try to figure out if someone's had an abortion. So they're buying up people's personal private data about their reproductive system in order to, um, in order to figure out um, whether to make an arrest. And we did an entire episode about this called Post-Row Privacy. If you haven't um, heard that, I recommend you check it out. We go into this topic in a lot of depth. But this is, again, just another piece of data about you um, that you know, is being collected. And so, um, so one that you may not be thinking or may not have considered is where you sleep. And just like where you work, um, these data brokers and other companies can figure out where you sleep. And even if your official home is one place, but maybe you sleep over at a partner's place sometimes, well, that's just another data point for these companies to figure out who you are. Because, okay, it's one thing to say, okay, well, this person lives maybe in this apartment building. It's another thing to say, well, we know this person lives in this apartment building and works in this second building. But now we know that, oh, on every weekend, they go to this third place. So, so now they have a very detailed profile and a very easy way to figure out that it's you, right? Because even if you'd say, well, I'm not the only one from this, you know, from this apartment building that works in this other building. Sure. But, you know, of those people who also then goes and spends weekends and only weekends at this third location, right? So this is just another way to easily figure out who you are. Oh, I see here. Uh, so let's talk about the appliances in our home. And I know this sounds, this sounds this may sound extreme, but the appliances that we use, yeah, that also tells a company about who we are, right? This is also used to de-anonymize us because, okay, so you got a person, you know, they live at one location, they work at another, maybe they sleep at a certain time. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed when, when you sleep. <laughs> Right when we sleep, <laughs> so uh, I want to be get, we will talk about that because this is this is a feature of Google and Google phones that they don't advertise uh, very uh, much to non-advertisers. But Google phones know when you sleep, and I think Apple phones do too. So how do they figure that out? Well, if you're at a certain place every day, 
you know, they, you know, during the day, they can usually infer that you're working. But let's say that you've got your phone at a certain place and then you don't pick it up. You don't touch it. You don't use it. And you don't use it for between, oh, let's say six and eight hours every day at the same time. The phone can generally, um, the, the company can generally say, well, gee, if they're not touching their phone, it hasn't moved and hasn't done anything, they're probably asleep. And they absolutely track that. Now you might say, okay, but you know, how is that useful? And maybe it's not useful all by itself, right? Knowing when you sleep is not useful all by itself, but it's yet another data point. It's just another thing that they can talk about and they can sell. And it's, and it's another thing that can be used to de-anonymize you because if you've got a certain shift at work, oh, I work uh, the graveyard shift or I work the morning shift, well, that's information that can be used to figure out who exactly who you are, right? Your pattern, your daily pattern is part of your, is part of the fingerprint that is you. So uh, again, that's important. So let's talk about our appliances. Okay, so so far we've we've talked about things that are fairly generic, right? Your location, but you can narrow that down, and you can actually learn an enormous amount about someone based on things that again are just inferences. So, for example, do you have a phone that's let's say five you know five years old, six years old? You know that doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you know that you can't afford a new phone, but it's an interesting data point, or maybe you're using a budget phone, or are you a person who has all the coolest new tech, right? Is your TV a smart TV? I think every TV sold today is pretty much a smart TV. Well, that smart TV, your phone can, you know, do a Bluetooth scan and figure out that the TV is there. And why is that important? Well, the, the phone connects back to Google or Apple and says, oh, these are the Bluetooth devices that were nearby. So if you've got that cool new TV or that cool smart dishwasher or, uh, you know, even, even the router you're using, all that information is being collected and then being sent back. So, you know, this is where the, the headset that you're using, all this information can be used to figure out who, not only who you are, but all kinds of things about you. So, you know, are you, you know, do you have the newest appliances, right? Are, are you using the coolest new tech or maybe, you know, if not you, maybe, you, you know, I live in an apartment building. My Bluetooth can pick up the neighbors. So even if they're not picking up my devices, they can know an enormous amount about my demographics based on the people around me. And, and that's, that's pretty scary, right? It, it's, it's a way of figuring out things about me that I'm never actually telling anyone. So let's talk about the people we spend time with. Well, how, how can they know the people that we spend time with? Well, in some cases, if you're talking about, uh, you know, a social network, well, we tag them. We say, oh, I spent the weekend with so-and-so. But remember, I talked about Bluetooth. Well, Bluetooth um, is another way they can find out. So my phone is in proximity to another phone. 
And there's a patent that Facebook has that says, sorry about the technical issues. Uh, there's a patent that Facebook has and it says, if you have two people or more people and they've all got devices and they're all traveling in the same direction at the same time, at the same speed, yeah, they're probably, they're probably connected, right? They're probably friends or colleagues or something like that. So we can, we can make that association. So you didn't even have to say, oh, I met somebody new. Just by being, by taking a walk with somebody, Facebook has a patent that says, um, you know, we, uh, we think these two people are connected without even you having to tell them. Um, and the same thing again with with everything else. So you, know, you tag someone, you have this, you have a photo with someone, you have devices near someone, all that information, and who you who you spend time with says a lot about you, right? Their education, their demographics, tells them about you. Stores we shop at. So you might be thinking, okay, he's just going to talk about more uh, more location data. Well, yeah. But yes, but even worse, because a lot of times now these stores have these hidden beacons um, and they can either be uh, Bluetooth beacons or sonic beacons, but they're these little devices that transmit you, um, information about themselves to nearby devices and nearby phones or, or they're doing Bluetooth scanning. So you know, you're walking through the supermarket and it knows that your phone is nearby. And, and that can be useful for the supermarket, right? The supermarket says, well, this, this tells us how many people are staying in what aisle and for how long. Um, and again, I'm not even talking about the, the kind of video surveillance stuff. I'm not talking about the Amazon touchless store. I'm just talking about the regular old supermarket. Um, so, so all this information can be captured. Um, and also, you know, if you've heard of RFID chips, RFID chips are these little tiny, um, little tiny microchips that are in everything. Um, you know, those kind of those kind of chips uh, can be, you know, can be read or picked up, you know, using uh, Bluetooth low energy mode. Um, again, just more information tells you where people shop at. Um, I remember when RFID chips came out. If you look at some of these early patents, as I have. Um, they actually explicitly mentioned the idea that you know, your clothing would come with an RFID chip that would be scanned on on your way into another store. So, oh, I bought this sweater from this from you know from store A, and store B scans you as you walk in and knows that you're wearing that sweater, right? This is the kind of information that these companies want because that information tells them something about you and tells them that they how they can market to you. Um, but of course, if they can market to you, eventually they can just easily figure out who you who you actually are. And events we attend, um, and I think for for the kink community, this is particularly sensitive because you know if if you can figure out who someone is by their location, if you can know who's nearby, what kind of devices are nearby, and you can pick up information about those people. If you're attending a big conference or a convention or a kink event like a munch, well, that means that this information is also something that they can capture. 
right? They know or they can know the associations between people. Even if you're very careful and you never tell anyone your wallet name and you never tell anyone any other personal details, they can know what kind of events you're attending you know, just by you existing. Um, oops, there's no, there's no, uh, looks like there was a problem with this. Uh, so we'll talk about dating apps just for a second here. Um, so there are some great dating apps to protect our privacy. Um, you know, this, this, um, this talk is sponsored, you know, essentially by a dating website, but there are many less scrupulous, less scrupulous apps and they do, uh, user tracking. And they use Google and Facebook and others to, to learn things about their users, you know, because they feel like, oh, the more they understand, the better that they can make uh, their service to and uh, help people, you know, make connections. But unfortunately, you know, it goes in the other direction, too, because if they're collecting information from Google and Facebook, then Google and Facebook now have this information about your dating. And... Uh, you know, that's already scary, right? Do, do you really want more information about you, you know, being sold to, to Google and Facebook? But actually, it's, it's, it's even scarier than that. Because if you look at Egypt, and I'm just going to use Egypt as an example, the police and other authorities are using dating app data, and, and they're using dating apps to lure uh, LGBTQ people. And the police just beat them up. You know, they, when I say beat them up, I, I just mean beat them. And, you know, I'm not saying, I, I don't think that there are very many people listening to this that are living in Egypt, but even the possibility of that kind of information being made available to authorities scares me. And I, I'm, you know, that's just another piece of information. So now they can get your location, where you work, where you sleep, you know, where you live, who you hang around with and what your dating preferences are, right? So this is just what, what kind of complete picture can they generate about it? This is data about our most intimate preferences and relationships. So, uh, yeah. So let's talk about our browser history. This was one that um, came up in one of the research papers. So I read a number of research papers preparing for this talk. Um, and it just said, oh, you can just use someone's browser history. You know, when you when you look at the history, um, when you click on Control H, I think in Firefox and in Chrome, you can see, oh, here's all the websites you know they've been to. Just that can be used to identify someone. So just that information alone um, can be used to figure out who you are. Um, that was that was kind of a little surprise to me. I hadn't even considered that. Um, Oh, I also want to say one more thing about browser history, which is the, not only our history, but um, there's a thing called browser fingerprinting. And we've talked about this in some of the previous episodes where just what web browser you're using, what plugins do you have, what fonts do you use? Now you might think, well, why does any of that matter? Well, it turns out that our browser is unique. Our browser fingerprint is somewhat unique, and uh, you can use that to connect to, um, you know, all this other data and figure out exactly who you are. 
So um, I liken all this to Sudoku. The, the kinds of data that we've talked about, you know, where you live, where you work, it doesn't say who you are. It doesn't have your name, right? It doesn't say, oh, you know, John Smith, you know, lives at this particular address and works here and has this income. Um, but if you're used to Sudoku, it's this puzzle game, or if you've never heard of Sudoku, it's this little puzzle game. And you have a grid of numbers. Uh, most of them are blank. And you just start off with a couple of numbers. But then as you work on the puzzle, you can slowly fill in all the rest of the numbers. And it's the same thing with anonymized data. The thing that de-anonymizes data the most is one or two individuals being de-anonymized. Because once you start de-anonymizing a few people, you can use that to essentially de-anonymize almost everyone. So uh, if you remember at the start of the talk, I said that we'd be figuring out just how little information you need to figure to, about someone to figure out who they are. And the answer really is that it depends, but it's not a lot of information. The more specific the information, the easier it is to identify you. Obviously, then the less specific, then the, it takes a little bit more, but not a lot more, right? So there's, uh, it doesn't take all that much information to identify exactly who you are. So is all lost? <laughs> um, no. Uh, all is not lost. And I'm going to offer you some very simple, practical steps that you can take to reduce your risk. So I'm not going to tell you that if you do all this, um, you're going to be in no risk. But we can we can easily mitigate our risk, just like we did with COVID, right? So wearing a mask doesn't stop COVID. Getting vaccinated doesn't stop COVID. But it it's it's a risk reduction. And if you do lots of things to reduce your risk then your overall my microphone hates this site uh if you if you um reduce your risk profile then you're going to be in a better position so no silver bullet um again these companies that we're working against they're spending billions of dollars on figuring out exactly who you are, right? Their motivation, and there are lots of them, is a ton of money. Um, we are way outgunned here, but we can take some very simple steps to reduce uh, our exposure. So first thing is just to take a look at the web browser you're using. And uh, we did, we actually did a, a three-part series on web browsers and web extensions. So uh, if you haven't, go check that out. Um, I'm going to shortcut a lot of that and just tell you that if you're using Microsoft Edge, stop using Microsoft Edge. If you're using Google Chrome, stop using Google Chrome. Um, switch to a better web browser that preserves your privacy. And then on top of that, use an ad blocker with your new web browser. So uh, again, we, we talked in a lot of detail. Um, we did a you know, three-part series all on web browsers, so I'm not going to go over all of that. You can check that episode, those episodes out in the, in the archive. Um, but you know, start there. And I also want to say that when I say web browsers, a lot of people just, they're only thinking about their PCs. 
um, but you should also be looking at the, the web browsers on your phone. Um, and uh, we, we did some, some work on there um, uh, in the episodes about web browsers. Make sure to also uh, look at the uh, web browsers on your phone when you're looking at that. And one last tip, and I only learned this recently. So I don't have TikTok, but apparently a lot of people do. Um, and TikTok and some other apps have an in-app web browser. You never, ever use those. Um, those are really the worst <laughs> in terms of privacy. So stick to the stick to a known web browser. Um, use a good one and uh, put a put an ad blocker and a privacy blocker on top of that. Next up, uh, check the permissions on your phone and your PC. So most of us have lots of apps. Apps collect data about you, um, and they do so. Um, often with your permission, but in kind of sneaky ways. So uh, a lot of these apps will collect your location, your sleeping patterns, the people around you, the kind of videos you watch and the games you play. Um, I think sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not obvious. Um, and a, gr a great example in my mind is uh, the app Uber. So uh, I think everyone knows what Uber is, right? It's a, it's a car service. So Uber needs your location to know to where to pick you up. That makes sense. But Uber continues to track your location for 30 minutes after you've been dropped off. And they don't need that information to pick you up, right? The, the ride is over, and yet they keep tracking you for an additional 30 minutes, right? So that's a way I, I consider that kind of sneaky, right? Because they say, well, we need your location. Um, but then they then they kind of overextend themselves. So uh, go through your phone and check out the apps you have. Uh, be sure that they really need the permissions they have. Um, and if not, remove those permissions or remove those apps altogether. Um, in the example of Uber, actually, uh, one of the features that I think some Androids can have, some Android uh, versions can have is you can say, uh, share your location only while using the app. So if the app is closed, if you stopped using Uber, it can't track your location anymore, right? So that's a simple way of, of addressing that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of us have installed some kind of, you know, freeware app and uh, it has all kinds of permissions that it wants, right? Th those kind of things, those sketchy kind of apps, yeah, you should remove those. Um, and I used to say, oh, you know, this is this kind of thing is just limited to your phone. But now a lot of people have Windows 11 and even Windows 10. And you'll need to check your PC privacy settings um, as well. Um, and that, that's kind of beyond the scope of tonight's talk. But, you know, also be sure to check your, your PC's privacy settings. <sighs> check your vendor privacy settings. So, um, what I mean by vendor is uh, these big companies, these services like Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, and Twitter. Um, and a lot of uh, the data that they collect, they're not making it easy to, for you to find out about. So there were some recent lawsuits against Google. Turns out that Google, uh, that if you're using a Google phone and you've turned off location on your phone, uh, Google doesn't necessarily stop tracking your location. 
because if a nearby phone identifies you, then the near and the nearby phone has location services on, then Google will just track that track you that way. And Google says, at least in the lawsuit, well, we we never said we weren't going to track you. We just turned location services off on your phone. And Google says, well, if you really don't want to be tracked, you'd go to your privacy settings, your Google privacy settings, and you turn off location tracking. So, okay. Um, go to your Google privacy settings and turn off location tracking. And do the same thing with Facebook. And do the same thing um, with Twitter and Apple and Amazon. Right? Turn off these customized services. Just check your privacy settings out. Um, and, uh, let's see, I made a little note for myself, right? You'll need to check. Yeah, and, and of course this needs to be in, you know, also with your device. So, right, so turn the location services off on your phone and on Google. Um, and so you need to do that with all the big services you use. And, uh, this one's a little tricky. Um, reducing your social media usage is, a, is another huge way to protect your privacy. So, um, yeah, reduce your social media usage. And this isn't easy because social media is fun. It, it's, it's fun to, to check out what's going on, right? To see all the different people and friends and, you know, maybe celebrities or people that you've met online and see what they're up to, what they're posting, it's, you know, or post things and get the little, oh, my God, someone liked this, right? feels really good. It's really fun. Um, but you know, if you're using big, you know, big social media companies, that's what they're betting on, right? That's their business model. And when you're using them, you're revealing things about yourself that they can collect and use and sell. And that's their business model too. So there's one more. Yes. Remove third-party social media apps. Um, so uh, these third-party apps used to be more popular than they are now, but um, think if you're using Facebook or if you're still using Twitter for some reason, um, there are these, a lot of these, you know, third party apps. Um, you know, a lot of these apps are the cause of, um, they don't necessarily respect the same privacy settings as the big companies do. So if you, if you remember Cambridge Analytica, um, they were a third party app, um, that, uh, people could use and that they collected information from Facebook about users and sent it away. So uh, go through your, your apps, your connected apps or third-party apps, depending on how the, the site, you know, site calls it, and remove any that you're not actively using and uh, check those, again, those privacy settings. Um, and this is the big one, <laughs> getting off the cloud. So in computer security, we have a saying, there is no cloud, only other people's computers. And um, the fact is that um, the cloud is very convenient, right? Well, I'm storing all this in the cloud. I don't have to worry about backups because I've got the cloud. Um, but if you're using the cloud, that means that your information is being sent away and it's not in your control anymore. So getting off the cloud is hard because it means that you need to take on responsibility for things like backups and, and things like that. But it also means that you have your privacy back. And um, I think for many of us, that's a, a decision that's, that's worth taking. 
So in conclusion, we've covered a lot tonight. Um, let's, let's recap. Figuring out who you are is big business. And um, you know, what these companies have done is that they've learned to take lots of tiny bits of information about you and construct a, a model, construct an idea of who you are that they can use to, to do anything for Sorry, they can use to do everything from sell you uh, car seats to you know, arresting you. And I used to say that being kinky meant that you're a vulnerable minority. When I started the series, I said, you know, being kinky, that's that's the big vulnerable, the big vulnerable minority. But right now, um, as I'm giving this talk in April of 2023, um, you know, Governments in the United States are arresting people for having you know, late periods or you know, having evidence that they might be helping trans children or queer children. And more and more of us are finding ourselves vulnerable. And even if you don't live in the United States, um, I think that the, uh, the knowledge of how this data can be used to harm us is significant and um, how it can be used and, and frankly weaponized means that even if we don't live in the United States, we have to protect ourselves and we have to realize that things can change very quickly. Um, fortunately for us, there are small, relatively easy steps that we can take that will make a huge difference. Um, and as I say at the start of every episode, this series is about giving you the knowledge so that you can make the right choices for you. Uh, I don't make the choices for you. You need to make those choices for yourself. I'm just going to give you the, the, the ideas and, uh, the, the, you know, the way, and you'll decide what the, the right amount of protection that you need is. And with hopefully, um, with this talk tonight, um, you've gained some tools that you can use to protect yourself and your loved ones. So with that, um, I'm going to take, I'm going to have a glass of water. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, the sponsorship, which is uh, a word from our sponsor, Dating Kinky. And then I'll go through the comments and look for questions or comments that I think are interesting or important and uh, read them out. And if they're questions, try to answer them. And then we'll wrap up. So if you have questions, um, now is a great time to uh, get those written out so that uh, I can answer them. I'm going to get a drink a glass of water, and then I'm going to start on the uh, sponsorship. All right, this series, Keeping Secrets with Virkota, wouldn't be possible without the support of Dating Kinky. They have been incredibly supportive to me in helping get this information out to you. So now I'm going to talk to you about their offering, Dating Kinky Plus, and why I think that Dating Kinky Plus is a great deal. If you're here, you're listening to me, you've been listening to me talk about privacy, listening to me with all my technical glitches here, presumably you're willing to deal with all that because you care about kink education. And whether that's this series on privacy, whether that's learning BDSM skills like rope, flogging, electroplay, fireplay, 
or whether it's soft skills like how to be a better dominant or how to be a better submissive or maybe just relationship skills, right? How to be a better listener, you know, how to, you know, not be so reactive, maybe things like non-monogamy skills, you know, those are also very valuable. So if you do care about this kind of series um, or you just want to learn, that's where Dating Kinky Plus comes in. Dating Kinky has tons of webinars, just like this one, that you can watch or listen to, and you can listen to them while you're doing something else, or you can watch them at your, at your leisure. Their library of kink educational material has hundreds of hours on so many topics, you know, and things like being a newbie in the scene, or power exchange, or communication, non-monogamy, mental health, geekery, um, as well as this series on privacy. Joining Dating Kinky Plus also gives you access to books. For example, The Big Book of Ass, FLR, Fandom, and Women in Charge, and Next Up, O-Town. You'll get access to additional features in the Dating Kinky app as well, so you can find someone to connect with. So you've got all the educational material, you've got the books, you've got uh, additional features in the Dating Kinky app, so that's just amazing, right? So that's a huge amount of, of, uh, of stuff that you'll get with a Dating Kinky Plus uh, subscription. And all of that for only, at the time of this recording, $9.99 a month, which is really not a lot when you consider how much you're getting, right? All those things, all that educational material, all this access to these talks, you know, the books and everything else, and the, the Dating Kinky app features. So $9.99 a month is a huge, uh, it's a great deal. But if you're willing to sign up for six months or a year, you'll save 40% on the $9.99. So that makes it go from a great deal to an incredible deal. So are there any other reasons that you should be signing up for Dating Kinky Plus? And the answer to that is yes. Because when you sign up for Dating Kinky Plus, you show that you care about not only kink education generally, but this series, Keeping Secrets with me, Virkoto, and you share that you you show that you care about kink privacy. That's such an important topic, and it's something that we don't discuss enough. So sign up for Dating Kinky Plus for $9.99 a month, and you'll get access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of material. And I'm talking, when I say hundreds, I mean like 500, 600 hours of material You'll get access to books. You'll get access to new Dating Kinky Plus, um, sorry, Dating Kinky app features. And if you're willing to sign up for six months, you'll save even more. So go sign up for Dating Kinky Plus today. It's such a great deal. And I think you'll be glad you did it. Now let's talk about questions. Let's go through, um, let's go through the, uh, the chat here. All right. Yeah. Sorry about the audio issues. Um, EM2 says 80, 81% of Google's revenue comes from ad tech. It's a one trick pony company and it's unethical. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, that's the big point is Google, Google's an ad company. That's, that is how they make their money. If you use an Android phone, Google tracks you via cellular triangulation, hands that to the cops via cell tower dumps. Yeah. They, 
they sell that data. And uh, M links a news article about that. Yeah, it's absolutely an issue. Um, and then EM2 says, app companies bundle third-party apps to make money off of you. Period tracking apps monetize you by using ad tech APIs to track your location and tracking your location. Yeah, this is, you know, this dirty secret that I think many of us have uh, are waking up to is that you know, we're, we're these commodities to these companies. And, you know, I think a lot of us for a long time were willing to kind of make that trade. It's like, well, you know, sure, I'm giving up my privacy, but I'm getting all these great features. But now it's not just being used to sell us stuff, but to put our very lives at risk, right? So that, that changes the equation quite a bit. Uh, da, da, da. Uh, so uh, Lynn asks, so essentially I should disable Bluetooth unless I'm actively using it. Um, yeah, that is a great way to um, help your privacy. It also helps your, uh, your battery life a little bit. And Wi-Fi. Uh, EM2 says, yes, and turn off your Wi-Fi. And, and then uh, EM2 says, Grindr used Twitter's uh, mobile ad tech platform to spy on LGBT users, right? So uh, this is a, a serious issue. Um, so thank you for these links, EM2. Really appreciate it. Uh, Mittens asks, is uh, Apple Safari okay? Um, you should go check out our episodes on... Um, on web browsers, we did a whole thing where I go into that. Then um, Kitten Mizu says, is there a way to screen which sites or apps are concerning? Um, there are, we did, we did an episode on, we did several episodes on privacy settings and privacy, reading privacy policies. Um, you should go check out, I know I've been saying go check out our past episodes, but we, we do a ton of, of this. Uh, we've done a ton of this in the previous episodes. So um, yeah, go check those out. Um, we talked about how to, I think, I think the episode is titled how to read the labels. So how to read the labels will help you figure out what apps you Sorry, I don't, this is the only site that my microphone kills out. Um, and yeah, you can use the reading the labels uh, talk to figure out what, what uh, apps and what sites you should be worried about. Um, BW says, where I work, they put a lot of info in, online in the cloud. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, it's really scary. Um, and I don't, have, I don't think there's a great uh, answer for you. Uh, a lot of people thank me all. Thank all of you. Um, what is the safest platform where is everything down to privacy settings? Um, so Mittens, I'm going to give you a, a long answer. Um, the, uh, it's a, it's a push pull, right? So um, I personally own two phones and there's a long story about why I have two phones, but I own two phones. One of them runs Google. And the other one is a non-Googled Android phone. So I'm a geek. Um, I can handle all the kind of geekery that goes along with running a non-Googled Android phone. Um, 
but it's a lot. It's it means that I have to do backups. I have to sync my my contacts and my calendars manually. Um, when I say manually, I don't mean completely manually. I mean I have a but I have a setup that I have to maintain. There's a lot of work. It's not something that um, I could just say, oh, everyone can do this. Um, and and I think this is the the challenge, right? These companies, Google and Apple and others, you know, they spend a lot of money to make it super easy. They want to make it easy for you. Um, and so it's tricky. Um, I think that for most people, you just have to you just have to decide what's right for you. And I, and I I'm not going to tell you that you you know you have to do exactly what I do. Um, and in some ways, I don't do the I, I, I'm not the most privacy conscious. Um, I just think that you should be able to make that those decisions for yourself. So um, I think that the best thing to do with this long-winded answer, I think the best thing to do is to learn what the issues are, learn what your options are, and then, and then just, just incrementally change those patterns and just slowly improve things. It's kind of like your health, right? And we, and we, and we've done episodes on this too, right? Where I kind of go through, okay, let's, you know, let's make a plan. Let's make some small incremental improvements. You know, I think we did one maybe even for January, right? Like, you know, new year's resolutions. We did a, did an episode last year, spring privacy cleanup. Um, so I guess it was just about a year ago. So, you know, go through those episodes, let them kind of inspire you, but don't feel like you have to do all, you know, if you don't do everything, all is lost. I don't believe that. I believe that if you make small incremental changes, you can make a big impact, um, even with some small, with some, just some small changes. So, uh, Oh, kitten me you. Yes, sorry. Uh, I apologize. Um, Null says, I've been considering ungoogling my Android. I think I might give it a go now. Uh, based on your name alone, I would. Uh, you're probably a geek. Um, we should probably. I don't think we can do an episode on ungoogling your phone, and that may be a little too geeky. Um, but feel free to message, email me, and I will make a recommendation for you. Uh, for which ungoogled Android OS to use. Um, Ava thanks me, which I really appreciate. Thank you all so much. If there are any last questions, um, I'm happy to take them. Other than that, I just want to thank you all for being here. Uh, I don't unfortunately have the Dating Kinky um, schedule, but I'm going to stop the presentation. Recording.